you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Chrisvossshow.com, the opera singer. Uh, we're, the show is just getting more classier as we bring on opera singers and everything else. Uh, we're just going to, we're just, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do ballet on the show next. As always, we have the most amazing guests on the show. And uh, they brighten your minds, make you smarter, make you sexier. They give you what we call the Chris Voss Show Glow where you uh, basically glow, people walk around and go, why are you so smart? And you're like, I read all the amazing books and people who come on the show and everything else. And we have another great for you today. J.A. Jance joins us on the show again. She's uh, This is her fourth returning episode with us. She's been with us four times going back to 2021. So it's always an honor to have her and her amazing book writing. In the meantime, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Voss, linkedin.com, Voss, youtube.com, Voss, and also see us on TikTok on Voss one uh, She is an amazing New York Times bestselling author of uh, uh, just so many books. We'll get to it in a second as to how many she is. I'm pretty sure her author page here on Amazon isn't fully updated. Um, but she writes contemporary mysteries uh, in four different series. She's a voracious reader. Uh, she knew she wanted to be a writer from the moment she read her first Wizard of Oz book in the second grade. She's always been drawn to mysteries from Nancy Drew right through to John D. McDonald's Travis McGee series, and it was only naturally she tried her hand at writing her first book, and uh, she's told us about her wonderful journey over the years of uh, what it took to finally get published, uh, get her books going, and now she's just prolific at at uh, what she's been doing. Welcome to the show, uh, Mrs. Jans. How are you? I'm fine. I had to laugh when you said I write contemporary mi- mysteries, and that that's true. The problem with that is. I've been writing contemporary mysteries for 40 years. Yeah. So the first Beaumont books, which were written in the early and mid 80s, are actually historical fiction now. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You've been doing it for so long. And your newest book is out called Blessing of the Lost Girls, a Brady and Walker family novel. So there you go. Your newest one, September 19th, 2023, just came out. Congratulations on the new book. Thank you. I'm, I'm really thrilled to have this book out it's it's the walker family books come from the years i was a K through 12 librarian on the tahona autumn reservation mm-hmm. tucson tahona means desert and autumn means people so the desert people have lived in that part of the sonoran desert for thousands of years mm-hmm. and the Milgon, the Anglos are actually the newcomers there. But I spent five years as a K through 12 librarian. And for four and a half of the five years, I told 26 stories a week in K through six classrooms. Mm-hmm. And they were, I told the stories we all grew up with, the little engine that could, Rapunzel, Cinderella, and all those. 
but I learned the stories and legends of the Tohono Adam as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, on storytelling day, I often wore a bright green dress. It was a cable knit sheath with a slightly long sleeves, slightly flared skirt. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Peter Pan, peanut butter, radio yeah. commercials. But the lady said, look for me in that bright green, my bright green dress. And I had that bright green dress, uh -huh. sort of this bright green, the bright green of my blouse. And so I often wore that green outfit when I told stories on the reservation. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell it when I'm sitting down, but I'm 6'1". The people on the reservation were not 6'1". And so years later, uh, one of the men who had been in the third grade when I started telling stories told me that when I used to come to the classroom, the kids called me the jolly green giant. So I've worn this blouse on, on the road for this tour. So the jolly green giant is on the, ro on the road again. There you go. Uh, and what number of books is this? I think you're in the 60s or 70s, aren't you, the books? Uh, this is book number 66. There you go. I, when I was writing book number 65, that one gave me a lot of trouble and took a whole year to write. Generally, since, since I've been writing, I started writing my first Beaumont book, in March of 1983. So if you do the math, 66 books, that means I've been writing books at a pace of 1.6 books a year for 40 years. <clears throat> that came to a halt when I was working on the most recent Alley book. Uh -huh. That book took a whole year to write. And I thought, I'll never write another book. This is going to be the last one I ever write. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I've lost my mojo. And then it was time to write Blessing. And that book was inspired by something a Lakota warrior told mm -hmm. me. He said, write more Walker books. There aren't enough Indian heroes. Oh. And when I sat down to write Blessing, mm -hmm. I wrote that book in two months flat. Now, this is book 20. Of uh, of the series of the Joanna Brady well, mysteries, it's it, the thing is it's a Walker Brady crossover. So yes, okay, I'm but I'm counting it as a Walker book because mm. Brandon Walker's son-in-law Dan Pardee is front and center in this book, but Joanna Brady and her, especially her daughter Jenny, play important roles in this, but in order to keep from driving myself crazy and counting books as half one or the other, I'm counting this as Walker number six. Oh. Um, and by the way, I have, I have already written and have JP Beaumont number 26 written in New York. So now, so now I'm all caught up, but, there you go. but this is a book about murdered and missing indigenous people, not just girls, because there are plenty of men in that awful toll as well. Mm -hmm. And I've been aware of this for a long time. Now it's headline lose everywhere. But this is a serial killer who is whose favorite 
victims to target are young barrel racers on the rodeo circuit. Oh, wow. Since Jenny has been participating in barrel racing since she was doing junior rodeos, she is very much a part of both the victimology in this story, but also she's part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Ah, so she helps uh, solve the thing, the mystery, or works on yes, it? Yes, she, uh, she is an integral part of solving this, this mystery. Um, we first met Jenny in the first Joanna Brady book, Desert Heat, when she was nine years old. Mm-hmm. Now, all these books later, she is a senior at Northern Arizona University majoring in criminal justice. Why wouldn't she be after being raised by her mother? And so she is, she is, she's drawn into this investigation, but she wants to be part of it on her own terms. She doesn't want to be drawn into it because she's her mother's daughter or she wants it to be because the information she is supplying is important. And it, it actually is vitally important. Mm-hmm. There you go. And so uh, give us some deeper run down through it. Uh, you have a uh, Dan Pardee, a field officer. Uh, uh, has he appeared in the books prior? That name sounds familiar. Well, Dan Pardee showed up in for the first time in Queen of the Night, the fourth ah. book. He subsequently married Brandon Walker's daughter. Mm-hmm. So he is he's he's the main character in this book, but he is and he he lives on the Tahana Adam, but he's actually half Anglo and half Apache. So among the Tahona Adam in the in that their language, the word for Oab means both Apache and enemy simultaneously. Oh, really? And the interesting thing is, if you look at the languages of other tribes <clears throat> in that geographical area, the same thing is true. Of course, it's a different word because they're different languages. But Apache and enemy are always synonymous. So he has lived on the... the Tahana Adam. He married into it, but he he feels he's an outsider. Mm-hmm. However, his mother was a beautiful young woman from the uh, mm-hmm. San Carlos Apache. She left home after high school graduation. She went to Hollywood thinking she would become a movie star. She ended up marrying a stuntman and when Dan Party was four years old, his mother was murdered by his father. Oh, wow. So Dan is uniquely qualified to be a member of MIP, my fictional missing indigenous people task force, because he, he has some real skin mm-hmm. in this game. I, I think so. The book starts with charred remains found in Cochise County. I didn't do it. Pardon? I didn't do it. It wasn't me. You didn't do it? Oh, good. Thank you. (laughs) I 
feel guilty all of a sudden. I don't know why, but it was me. <laughs> I just want to make it clear. Charred remains are found in <clears throat> Joanna Brady's jurisdiction. And when they are, are identified and they turn out to be the remains of a young woman named Rosa Rios, Joanna soon realizes, soon realizes that Rosa was one of the rodeo contestants Jenny competed against years oh, wow. earlier. So there's that connection. But what I think is really interesting, at the time I was writing this book, which would have been uh, September and October of last year, Mm -hmm. It was not possible to get a DNA profile from charred human remains. Oh, really? In the aftermath of the fires on Maui, it is possible. And that's how fast forensics changes Yeah. in, in a matter of just a few months. Wow. I'm going to have to move that body then now, knowing so, that. So that's, that's how this book starts, with those charred remains being identified and because Dan is the agent in charge for Arizona, mm -hmm. it's, it's part of his, his book of business. What, what drew you to write that sort of framework in this book? Why, why, why did you decide to go that route? Because I think if... The same kinds of <clears throat> forensic efforts, investigative efforts, were applied to many of these cases that have just have long gone cold. They could be solved, and and that's what happens in this book. Once once there there's a connection, and the connection is barrel barrel riders barrel racers. Mm -hmm. Then they look at barrel racing cases from all over the country. And sure enough, it's there. That means it's got to be the same guy. Well, those, those kinds of efforts could be applied to those long, cold cases, and they'd be solved. But nobody cares enough to bother applying them. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I know it's a big thing. It's a, it's a, and it's kind of those things that more people need to look into. But people love the... Um, people love the, uh, 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 you know, the mysteries of it. So tell us more about the protagonist. Let's, let's, uh, for people that maybe haven't caught up to your books or this series, tell us about the protagonist in this story some more and, and how she, and how and why she does what she does. Well, the Walker family books mm -hmm. grew out of my time on the reservation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember the story, The King and I, where the woman says, if you become a teacher by your pupils, you'll be taught. I think I learned far more on the reservation than I taught on the reservation. Mm -hmm. And in the Walker books, I've tried to bring reservation life alive to people who would never come to Arizona, much less visit a reservation. Mm -hmm. So in the background of the Walker family books, I have woven in those stories and legends of the winter telling tales of the desert people as, as part of the fabric of the book. 
this is book number six in the Walker family series. You don't have to have read any of the books before to try this one. But if you look on the, the first few pages, you'll find a family tree of the people involved in those families from book one on. And that family tree was actually provided by a fan of mine. Oh, wow. And it's printed with her permission. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, so you got some fan-based uh, uh, integration there <laughs> the, as well. The, um, in the 90s, there was a serial killer who roamed the West. It wasn't me. It wasn't you pushing Native American people under moving trains. Oh, my God. He became known as the boxcar killer. He's serving life without parole out of prison in Wyoming, I believe on five counts of homicide. But in the 90s, he went through a community in a small city in central Oregon and pushed a Lakota named James under the train. Jesus. It was a mile and a half before they were able to stop. The engineer could stop the train. Mm -hmm. Law enforcement was summoned. They um, pronounced him dead, zipped him into a body bag, transported him to the morgue, which was in the basement of the local hospital. It was a small city. The indigenous population was even smaller. And it happened that a nurse who worked in that hospital knew James. So when her shift was over that night, she went down to the morgue to wash his hair, which is a time-honored Lakota custom. Mm -hmm. When she unzipped the body bag, his arm came out because he wasn't dead. He wasn't dead? He wasn't dead. Holy he crap. He went from the morgue to the OR for the first of countless operations that it took to sort of put him back together. He emerged as a paraplegic. He lost the use of his right hand. He had to learn to speak again. He had to learn to read again. And while that was happening, a friend and fan of mine who was volunteering in that hospital went to his room and read my books to him. Oh, wow. And he loved the Walker family books. So he recovered enough that he was able to live relatively independently for the next 20 years. He, wow. he counseled disaffected Indian urban youth in the Portland area, trying to get them back on the right path. Mm -hmm. Shortly before his death in 2021, he called Loretta, my friend, and said, tell your friend to write more Walker books. There aren't enough Indian heroes. Wow. When that read, is powerful. When you read Blessing of the Lost Girls, mm -hmm. you'll encounter a guy named John Wheeler. He's a paraplegic. Oh, he got you put him in a moving train. Uh-huh. Been counseling disaffected urban youth in Tucson. <laughs> Somebody wrote to me and he said, you know, you're the only author I know who could name a character, John Wheeler, put him into a wheelchair, call him, call him 
a para, make him a paraplegic, and then have everybody call him chairman, <laughs> and not have it seem derogatory. <laughs> wow, there you go. Well, that's that's uh, uh, an incredible basis for the story and and influence uh, well, on this new book. The thing is, James said there aren't enough Indian heroes, mm -hmm. and when you meet John Wheeler you'll know that now James is one. There you go. I dedicated this book to James and his mm -hmm. iron pony. That's what he called his electric wheelchair. Oh, wow. The iron pony. I love that. That's, uh, that's inspiring. That's uh, motivating, you know, be doing the best with the, the thing. Um, did, was he able to identify the killer because he lived? Uh, no, the killer was identified by law enforcement they kept his charge open mm -hmm. uh, and what he he is his death is attributable to the guy in wyoming but since he's already doing life without parole there was no mm -hmm. sense in taking it to court ah i see wow that is that is wild man um, truth, what's the old line? Truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. But, but I really felt that writing that book was a sacred charge from him. By the way, when James died, he didn't go from um, Portland back to the reservation in South Dakota in a casket. He was transported, wrapped in a buffalo robe. Oh wow! He was an important guy. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Is, I imagine that's another tradition. I'm sorry, my dog is outside. She's barking at me. I imagine that's another tradition. Uh, yes. wrapping yourself in the bear. Uh, that that's uh, that's that's an amazing story. That just adds more uh, fuel to the fire to want to read the book and pick it up. Uh, what else can we tease about about what's inside the book or or some of the things that happen? <laughs> Well, I, I take little pieces of my life mm -hmm. and they end up in the background of the books. Mm -hmm. I, I once murdered a washing machine when my son's, one of my son's marbles got stuck in the gears. Oh boy. When Dan Party has trouble with his washing machine you know, that's a piece of my own story that has <laughs> gone into the book. You never know when something bad that happened to you might not be useful. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how life can work? The, uh, the lessons that when we have them happen at the time, they're like, this is the worst. And then, you you know, hopefully you learn something from that. And then it's, uh, it ends up being like, well, that actually kind of helped. I mean, most of the stories uh, from my life or some of the things they thought, thought at the time were awful, but yeah, not too bad. No, well, I look back. In my in my life, my first husband was allowed in a creative writing program that was closed to me. The professor at the University of Arizona, the creative writing professor there, when I tried to enroll in his class, he said, you're a girl. I said, so? He said, girls become teachers or nurses. Boys become writers. And he wouldn't let me into his class, which at the time was devastating. But you know what? When I wrote the first Walker family book, Hour of the Hunter, 
1989. The main character, Diana Ladd, was a teacher on the reservation, but she really wanted to be a writer. Like me, she had a husband who was allowed in the creative writing program that was closed to her. Her husband is dead at the beginning of the book. <laughs> is that something maybe you wanted for your first husband then? And the crazed killer turned out to be a former professor of creative writing from the oh. University of Arizona. Oh, so, oh. revenge is sweet as a uh, yes, mystery that was, writer. That was a an exercise in writerly revenge, and it was lots of fun to write that book. <laughs> writerly revenge. Uh, note to self, never piss off Miss Chance. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should. I'd end up in one of your books, maybe. <laughs> that, might be, that might be an upside there. I don't know. Um, You'd have me probably killed in an awful sort of manner. I have. And, uh, that might not be as I well. Have as a certain, I'm, I'm currently gunning for a certain oh. position, but I'm not going to tell you any details on this right. well. but i'm thinking about it <laughs> i don't know if a podcaster ever turns up in one of your mystery books getting murdered i'll be like wow okay uh I, there you go <laughs> i think one of the things that is so gratifying about writing mysteries and reading mysteries is that good and evil are out there on display charlie in in blessing is this snow sort of mysterious snowbird the ladies in the rv park can't figure out if he is a norwegian bachelor farmer if he's gay if he is divorced does he have kids nobody quite knows what he is when in actual fact under that smooth facade he's actually a serial killer and there's only one entity in that whole rv park who really understands how evil he is and that's the neighbor's obnoxious little dog <laughs> so is the dog that tips you off that's what my dogs do dogs know they do dogs they really know. know yeah and when when Dan Pardee hears about that dog. He pays attention because when he was <clears throat> serving in the Middle East, his dog Bozo was that dog that knew <clears throat> that knew when something bad was going on. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Your dogs know someone's evil in the background when you can hear them barking. Uh, I'm maybe sorry. The, maybe it's the postman. They're outside. I did the best I could. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. I just wanted to get that joke in there because, you know, they're <laughs> maybe they know the post was evil. <laughs> well, when they hear, when I go on a Zoom event, as soon as they hear strange voices in the house, they are certain we're being invaded. Oh. And um, there's, they're dachshunds, so there's no amount of telling them to be quiet. That <laughs> Maybe they think I'm evil. They could be right. I don't know. <laughs> I, we were talking a moment ago about um, things that are really tough at the time that turn out to be a good thing. Yes. I My first husband was, in terms of husband material, he was a very bad bet. He uh, 
he, he told me once he knew he was an alcoholic by the time he was 15. <laughs> he didn't mention that to me, but he died of chronic alcoholism at age 42, a year and a half after I divorced him. Wow. When I started writing the Beaumont books, those books are told in the first person. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he's, he was a homicide cop, but he couldn't be at work all the time. Mm -hmm. So I had him, I, I needed him to have something to do when he wasn't at work. I wasn't allowed in the creative writing program, but I was smart enough to figure out you write what you know. Mm -hmm. And I happened to know a lot about drinking. So Bo did the kind of drinking I had lived with for all of those years. Mm -hmm. I was signing the fourth book down in Portland and a lady came up to the table and she said, you know, Bo drinks every day. He has a drink of choice. It's starting to interfere with his work. Does JP Beaumont have a problem? Oh. And I said, you know, these are books. <laughs> but six other people asked me the same question. And I finally realized they were right. I had modeled Bo's character after a problem drinker, and I had done so with absolute accuracy, which is how Bo goes into treatment. And <clears throat> he has his first blackout in, well, the first one he has to acknowledge in book seven. He goes into treatment in book eight. The book I just wrote, The Next Beaumont Den of Iniquity, is book number 26. So he has been sober or in recovery for a lot longer than he was drinking. I still have readers who liked him better when he was drunk. I, I worry about them. Maybe, but, maybe, maybe he was funner. But I've heard from people who have told me that watching Beaumont deal with his drinking problem helped them deal with theirs. And I... Wow. That's that's one of the hidden powers of, of fiction. It can somehow worm, it, worm its way around people's conscious denial and and speak to them in a way that having having your wife or your best buddy or something tell you that's that you have a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes that's that's just what it takes. You know, hey, you have a problem, but it's funny your your readers. It, it kind of like him when he had a problem. <laughs> well, I I think it was interesting that they pointed it out to me before I figured it out on my own. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. It is interesting how intuitive readers are and everything else. So uh, what what are your future? Uh, you said you've got some other books that are written in your series. You, you still have just four series now, right? Well, yes, four series are all, that's, that's as many as I can juggle. So the next book I'll need to write is the next Alley book. I have no idea what it's what I don't know what it's going to be about. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the title is, but I do know it has to be in New York by the end of March of next year. So I'd best get my rear end gear. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're back on your mojo. You said you, you know, the, the last book gave you some issues, but it sounds like you're back on your mojo and you're, you're rocking them out now. I think so. I think so. There you go. There you go. Well, final thoughts as we go out, final people to pitch on the book, to pick it up, uh, wherever fine books are sold. You should be able to find it anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's in better bus depots everywhere. There you go. 
There you go. Uh, so, uh, do you have a you have a website, don't you? Too. We should get a plug I in have, for that. I have a website. I jajans.com. I also mm -hmm. have a weekly blog, which is a window on my my world for that week. And this this week, it's about the events on the book tour on that last week of the book tour. But the the one the incident that really got to me this week was an email from a man who said six months ago he received a dire medical diagnosis. The treatments are not working as anticipated. Mm -hmm. In the past six months, he's read 60 of my 66 books because wow. reading my books helped save his sanity. And that's the ancient sacred charge of the storyteller to beguile the time mm -hmm. and i'm so touched that my stories were able to take him away from his tough prognosis right now and take him to a different place mm -hmm. that is so awesome that you have the impact on people's lives and i'm sure you've done it with so many um i i mean six would you say 67 books Six, 66 so far, but 67 is written. So, yes. There you go. There you go. Well, congratulations, Miss Chance. It's always wonderful to have you on. Thank you very much for coming on and plugging your new book. And uh, we want everyone to go pick it up. Thank you. And I'll see you next year. <laughs> Please come back as much as you want. This is your fourth time. So, we'll look forward to having you on more and more. Order the book up, folks, wherever fine books are sold called Blessing of the Lost Girls, a Brady and Walker family novel coming out september 19th 2023 and check out all of her series and all of her books I, I expect you guys to all read uh 67 of her books before uh she comes on again so everyone yes, there will be a there. pop quiz the next time i show up there will be a test yes there you go, <laughs> there you go. well thank you uh miss jance for coming on the show thanks to good uh our audience for being here go to goodreads.com for chess chris foss linkedin.com for chess chris foss youtube.com for chess chris foss and chris foss one on the tiktok thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time